So I thought since last week we watched uh, Captain Video on the famous Dumont mm -hmm. Network, the Forgotten Network, so I found another show from the Dumont Network. So if anyone has just somehow stumbled across this and hasn't heard our previous episode, I think you should go back and listen to that for the tragic tale of Dumont. But the long story short is in the early days, it was one of the big networks like NBC and CBS. Uh, went out of business in the mid-50s, and then in the 70s, they filled three garbage trucks full of Dumont shows and dumped them in the East River. <laughs> like, fuck you, planet Earth. It's crazy, too, because like, I was just uh, down the street talking to Dad, and I told him that story about dumping all the Dumont shows in the river. And he's like, man, I never even heard of the Dumont Network. And like, I feel like we're a family of, like, we know a lot of trivia knowledge. We got a lot of random crap that we know, but none of us had ever heard of the Dumont Network. But, but, got to remember now, this was pre-TV for yeah. the pleb, for everybody. Yeah. Very few people would have had TV in the late 1940s and the early 1950s. Dumont uh, was American from Philadelphia? Where uh, was it from? I, I'm somewhere in the East Coast, but maybe oh, yeah, Chicago. Maybe uh, I, yeah, yeah. I think the show we're watching today was filmed in Chicago, somewhere around Chicago, there. Yeah, anyway. someplace like that. Yeah. And uh, you got to, in Canada, you know, if anybody who did it, well, when we didn't have TVs until 1952, isn't it? Then CBC started, and that was all you could get. Was still though, I'm, I'm surprised just because I guess that's the weird thing about trivia, right? Is it seems like you know everything until. You don't know something. You don't know anything. <laughs> like whenever I do music trivia in uh, Toronto, when before COVID, when you could do that, like at a bar, it's like, hey, I'm the music guy. I know all about music until a Shania Twain question happens, and, and then I don't know. <laughs> Dumont would probably have been known to people like uh, Canadians who lived on the border. Yeah, maybe. But if you didn't have a TV, you wouldn't you wouldn't have known about them anyway. Yeah, I mean it's called the for, or the Forgotten Network for a reason, I guess. And CB, <laughs> you know? CBS and NBC, uh, we only know them because they have survived. Right. If they had died out in the early, early years of TV, how many people would have known about them? Probably nobody. But I guess like just I still think it's it's just surprising though for a whole network to go because like I know Philo T. Farnsworth is the guy who invented the TV. Why do I know that? But I never heard of the Dumont. Yeah, network. but think about early radio. Too uh, TV early TV would be very much like early radio. Uh, oh brother, where wherefore art thou? That that right. movie which showed about all those old radio stations that were out in the desert, picking up aerial waves. Well, those didn't last any length of time at all, uh, and they were just kind of these these uh, pi like pirate radio stations that were just operating on the fringe. A station like Dumont would have been maybe a little higher class in TV than that, but very probably very similar. And, and if you checked it out, I bet there were all kinds of those little TV stations all over the place, too. Yeah, well, I think that's what's ironic about Dumont, is it, like, it, was, it wasn't small enough. Like, I know about public access TV. I know about UHF stations. I just don't know about Dumont because it was, it was a real network, <laughs> and then it went away. So who needs to know about it? We have the other networks that still exist, you know? <laughs> But if it had the right management and the right advertising, commercials, it, it, it could have been an NBC or a CBS, possibly. Yeah, that's one of those things, too, that's kind of uh, it's weird. Is like, I mean, I'm, uh, I think I'm way more uh, a fan of the capitalist system than most of my friends and stuff are. Like, I really think it gets a bad rap. There's a lot of good stuff about how the North American system works. But you can't deny that there's like a certain uh, like roll of the dice to it, you know, <laughs> of like you have to be so lucky 
to be a network that actually made it you know like it's almost weirder that the other networks actually still are around i have to agree i right place right time and one hell of a lot of luck yeah probably is is what made some of them survive and others just went fell by the wayside or they always say like you know the average uh millionaire whatever you know has gone bankrupt multiple times before something finally worked so i mean dumont's just the one that went bankrupt (laughs) you know like if you look at the spectrum of tv they're the ones that didn't make it but anyway so yeah there's not a ton of dumont shows in general this one there's not a lot of information about it's called they stand accused (laughs) which is quite a name they stand accused so it's a courtroom show was broadcast off and on from 1949 until 1954 and this just i think this says a lot about dumont that uh, it was described as one of the network's more enduring shows, They Stand Accused, was canceled in 1954. Oh, I know why I'm familiar with They Stand Accused. I'm not. When we were going through those TV things, yeah. going through the years of TV, They Stand Accused was one of them. And we commented on it and said, gee, I wonder what that's all about. That sounds kind of yeah. interesting. That is exactly yeah, why it was on that's my list. Exactly. I, like, I, I'm thinking, They Stand Accused, why do I know that? But I don't know it. Yeah, it's just because it was a, a funny-sounding <laughs> yeah. name. It, it was one that sounded, <laughs> caught our interest. So dramatic. So the only description I've got is that it was a courtroom presided over by attorney Charles Johnson, was broadcast live from Chicago. Uh, jurors were chosen from the studio audience, and at least two episodes survive. <laughs> so we have Gee, one of the two. Maybe it's the precursor to Judge Judy. Yeah, I don't know how, <laughs> yeah, like how serious it's going to be, or what's the deal, or like the people's court, or like, yeah, what is this going to be? <laughs> Uh, I guess the only thing then before, because there's nothing else to say about it, that's all I know, is uh, if I remember right, didn't you have a brief stint doing criminal law stuff? Did you ever do this, going to court and doing that whole... Oh, I went to court a few times, yeah. Didn't interest me to play the games with all those... I assume it wasn't like, because you were always a big fan of like Rumpole of the Bailey and oh, stuff. Oh, big time. Oh, yeah. He's my hero. But, uh, but, even, but assume... even as a kid, Perry Mason. Hey, Perry Mason right. was my idol. If I was going to be anything in life, it would be like Perry Mason. <laughs> I'd be a lawyer. <laughs> so I assume in real life, it just wasn't wasn't like TV. None of this, like, you no. can't handle the truth. No, no, it's not nearly as exciting. <laughs> just a lot of... Uh, to do upon a circumstance how uh well i guess if you've got the american system which is perry mason and you got the british system which is rumpel wearing his uh powdered wig where does canada fall is it just some amalgam of the two yeah 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 we'd be we'd be in between nowhere near as dramatic as those anything you'd ever see on tv or in the movies cool all right well anyway on this one it's longer i'm getting so comfortable with these half hour shows this one is the whole hour. Ooh, <laughs> so, okay. So here's uh, here's hoping that the one of the remaining two episodes of They Stand Accused is a real barn burner. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Oh yeah, this one's real rough. This is very poor quality, but hey, you can't. What can you do? Do much. One more lanolin plus. (laughs) So what is the point, I don't know anything about court stuff, 
What's the point of a jury if the judge can just be like, nah? Normally you can't do that, no. No, if you, if you are able to choose judge and jury or judge alone, then the judge can't, the judge can't put aside the jury's. <laughs> Not for long, it ain't. <laughs> so. Well, for early television, it's pretty damn good. It was not, it was dry, <laughs> rather boring throughout for, for an hour. If they could have tightened that up and put it in half an hour, it yeah. would have been better. Uh, it could have been half hour for However, sure. However, if they want to show it as a realistic courtroom setting, that's what it's like. That yeah. They did it. Yeah, I think the only thing that, because uh, it was, was just, yeah, domestic drama type courtroom thing it was uh yeah like surprisingly good job being naturalistic with the courtroom people all of the judges and the uh yes and, and screwing up names and shuffling <laughs> papers around and uh, <laughs> and like not really completely invested because it's just their day job another case another case so yeah they did a good job there it is just that obviously every week they bring in different actors to be the different uh whatever the different cases and yeah those people are classic to be the accused classic 1950s i just got out of fucking nyu or juilliard or whatever and i'm i'm an actor <laughs> look at my gomez mustache my gomez adams mustache yeah, like it was very unnatural the way they acted, where it's just like, here's my whole character biography. Here's like, oh yeah, I went to this and did that. And it's funny because one of the, uh, what are they, the lawyers? <laughs> the the lawyers. prosecutor and the yeah. uh, the defense and the, and the prosecutor. One of them brought up at one point, like, I would just like an answer. I wouldn't, I don't want a whole story. <laughs> but it's not, he got a whole story. Everybody had their story. Like they just went through well, everything. They every... didn't try to get out for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I guess it was just basically, I mean, it was an interesting sort of little, you know, it was okay. It's just like a... Uh, yeah, the interesting, the little plot development was, was interesting. Uh, Gal marries Guy. He goes off to war. He is uh, reported dead after the war, but he's in a prisoner of war camp. She waits 15 months. She marries the boy next door that she had always known. They have a baby. Then the other husband comes back about five years later. And the second marriage is annulled, and they seem to be getting on quite amicably with, she's gone back to husband number one, she has child with her, but they seem to share the child, she and the second husband. But then all of a sudden, husband number one gets a job in Rome and wants to take the whole family off to Rome, and don't, they really didn't tell husband number two, <laughs> that is that they were going to take his child to Rome. And all of a sudden, he goes over. He finds out, and he goes over and confronts him about it. And there's a fist cuffs and all this business. Isn't it takes, true that you went in with <laughs> vengeance in your heart? And he takes the child, <laughs> and he takes the child home to his house, where there's just him and his mum. Well, I love that vengeance <clears> thing because <throat> he's like, I, I didn't go over there with feelings of <laughs> anger and resentment, but uh, perhaps they did become that. <laughs> so then, the trial, the basis of the trial, is should the child go with husband number one and his mother or stay with his father in, in the United, United States of America. And they it, really pushed that, that country. You did bring up a good point because, yeah, it was like, <clears throat> it's funny to me that they, they acted like moving to Rome is like the craziest thing in the world. But you did bring up like, you know, they, they were on the other side of the war. Right. <laughs> like, and, oh, yeah, right. And we are talking only five or six years later. Right. And when the 
whichever lawyer it was, says, do you feel that Rome is a safe place to be? And you said, well, gee, why wouldn't it be? But then when you think about that it is only five or six years after the end of the war, of World War II, and, uh, yeah, they, they were run by a dictator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Like, my, I mean, I think of it, I think of just, like, cappuccinos well, no, and, and bullshit. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but really, when you think of it, and this man had just come out of a prisoner of war camp, uh, over there, so in 1947, I think they said it was, 47, 48. So obviously, even after World War II ended, there were people still incarcerated over there right. for a few years after. So you got to kind of look at it from that that time and place. Like we always say, you got to look at it in that time and place. But I was surprised that, uh, it didn't surprise me that the jury found for the mother. Because again, in today's day, now, that would never have happened if you have an interested father. But in 1950, mothers stayed at home. Mothers didn't work. They were there for their children, for their husbands. They cooked and cleaned and obviously watched They Stand Accused in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, but that was their job in life, to be a domestic and take care of the baby or the son. And that was a pretty good point that the one guy brought up, one of the lawyers of just like... Uh isn't it better for this kid to be with the mom? Because if we send the kid with the dad, the dad's got to go to work, and then the grandma has to raise the kid. Like, why bother? Just let you know. Just let the kid be with the mom, even if it is in the horrible nightmare world that is Rome, Italy. <laughs> so we're kind of getting the impression that w which was in, and then the judge, of course, overturned their decision, which was very unusual. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. And, and allowed custody to the and, and father of the child. Strangely pointless, because it's a scripted show. They could yeah. just have two different scripts. However, <laughs> two endings. It, was, it was interesting in that this is 1950, and yet they were considering the interests of the father in 1950. Right. Um, I wasn't expecting that. I thought, oh, they'll just give that to the mother, because that's just how it was in those days. And I guess it did an okay job of like, yeah, it was generally kind of low stakes and kind of domestic and boring but but still tangled up enough that it, at least it gave you some weird stuff to consider like they made a pretty good case for both sides or whatever it is like i think you said you know like it could have been half an hour i think yeah, if this was half an hour it'd be a pretty good show yeah, it's just yeah they, half an hour they could have tightened it right up and it could have been a really interesting show right. not that it wasn't interesting it was but it, it dragged at points but if they're trying to show a realistic courtroom type setting they are boring they do drag <laughs> yeah. they people do screw up and fumble over their words and shuffle papers around and ask for delays and all this business so if that's what they were trying to accomplish they did it and they did a really good job of it yeah that's where i do kind of wish i could find a little more information about this show because presumably if it's not the first courtroom show it's got to be among the first it might be the first so i mean yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. They did and, a good job. And with it'd that. be kind of interesting to see other ones. I mean, this was a this was a domestic family stuff, which is always kind of you know, very emotional. Yeah. Anyway, um, it, it would be interesting to see one that was more maybe a criminal element. Is he is like when they say they stand accused? 
Well, in this show, like, who was the accused? Yeah. You know, it's not like somebody... They stand accused of bizarre circumstances. Yeah, or, or family domesticity. Uh, I think that there must be other shows <laughs> yeah. where there really is an accused. And is he guilty or is he innocent? There's, there's really no guilt or innocence in this thing. Didn't you say, too, this was a reason why you guys moved more into real estate law and stuff? Because this kind of family law pablum is just like, you just get tired of hearing everyone squabbles. And nobody's nobody. There's never any resolution. And even in this show, that gave you a perfect example of it. There was no definite cut and dried answer to this thing. Even the judge, when he overturned the jury, <laughs> says, now, but we will readdress this. When Mrs. comes back from Rome... Um, she will have full access to the child, and we will certainly readdress this issue of custody that we have granted to the father. Even that seemed like a little bit of a skip forward, where I think at that point the next step would be, do you want to reconsider moving to Rome? You could still just not move to Rome. You don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> so now that you know you're going to lose your kid, presumably they're just not going to move to Rome. They'll sort out something in America. Yeah, so anyway. But yeah, it's like the though that yeah the the judge was like um, interesting verdict uh, jury, but I flipped a coin in my chambers and <laughs> yeah, because who cares? Yeah, who cares I who can't wins? agree with you. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm deciding differently, and what I say goes. So I guess the other thing about this is that it still had the commercials baked in because it was one of these where the whole episode is sponsored by one company, Lanowin. Lanolin. Skin products that I'd never heard of before. Lanolin. And it was all that. And yeah, it really makes it clear, like watching the show, I, it's not clear who the demographic was, but watching the commercials, it's like, oh yeah, this is aimed at women because it's all beauty products and lipstick and uh, perfume and skin stuff. And not not necessarily a working woman. Right. It, it's aimed at uh, homemakers domestic types because they it's to look good for your man try the test where you put lanolin on one side of your face and you don't put it on the other and let your man have the feel of your face to see which he feels is best <laughs> the one that really cracked me up though is like the second commercial was a cowboy so i'm like okay i guess this is where they're going for the man ad but nope because it wasn't a cowboy he's like well, I must have played a cowboy in at least a hundred movies, and oh boy, the splinters and dust, and like I needed a hand cream. And it's like, okay, that's also the female version of a cowboy spokesman. Like, no dude would respond to all that nonsense. He'd want to hear like, I'm out there trussing up cows and stuff, and ooh, doggy. But no, this guy's like, oh, I'm an actor. I play a handsome cowboy. But then there, then there, the other one was the ad with the painter. Yeah, he's like painting a portrait he's of a lady. He's painting a portrait of this lady who has dry skin. But they have to get a few little catty remarks in about Mrs. So-and-so, who we painted last week, who has greasy skin. Yeah. <laughs> Or even just like, yes, uh, yes, of course, I realize that you have crow's feet in real life. And yes, I've painted them out. But you could also do this in real life with a lanolin. You don't need to walk around being such an ugly hag. <laughs> That's basically what they're saying. Oh, God. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so there's They Stand Accused, the Dumont Network. But it, it didn't have, a, there's a lot of those early shows have a whole lot of cornball stuff in them. Right. This didn't really have cornball stuff. But I guess my favorite part of it was just because it was a live show and it was a whole hour, like, it was just kind of funny near the start where the guy said Fred instead of Tom for the two husbands. But by the end, they were like... <laughs> And then Fred wasn't even Tom's wife. Like, just saying things that don't even make sense. Yeah. They're like, hurry, yeah. let's get to the end. And I can't. Tommy, Johnny. <laughs> I can't remember anyone's name anymore. I don't care. Just like, roll the Lanowin ad. 
<laughs> like they made so many mistakes. The other thing too, yeah, is because you've got the uh, the actors, you know, like the uh, the guy who was in the concentration camp, especially had the I'm a transatlantic actor and whatever. But the people that played the courtroom dudes, you know, it was filmed in Chicago, and man, they were Chicago. Tam Chalmers. <laughs> Like Tam, and we said Tam. Yeah. Because like that's such a strong accent. That's literally a different name. His name's not Tam. His name is Tom. <laughs>